0: Welcome, Rink
1: Reds, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 39, exclusively sponsored by the Premium Hockey Outfitters at puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com, discount code the Rink, use it, uh, you might be able to get some Rush stuff last minute before Christmas, or some belated Christmas gifts, or uh, anything like that, but get out there and get yourself some, you'll notice all of our writers just dis- pr- proudly displaying their rink wear as well, so uh, head on over there and Spend a couple dollars. Uh, today is Wednesday, December 19th, 2018. And all of us at the rink want to wish you and yours a happy holiday, first of all. Uh, I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper.
2: What's up, Jack? Yes,
0: Satan.
1: And I am joined by my good friend, co host and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, Mr. Jekyll.
0: Hello. I am officially not an Eric Gustafson zombie.
1: <laughs> nice. And also, we have our NCAA writer, our our senior NCAA writer or our only NCAA writer, but he's a senior nonetheless. Mr. Aaron goldschmidt oh sir.
3: Don't mess with Tommy Hawk. There he is.
2: A <laughs> Aaron.
3: <laughs> we we had a question about that too. Uh, so,
1: let's kind of Get right into what's what's going on here with the Blackhawks. Um, they won yesterday. They played probably, I personally think, one of their best games of the year, if not their best game of the year. Uh, you guys all did watch they it. Play it their it?
2: best
0: game, or did Cam Ward play his best game in the last five years? Just yeah, to ask it. Is a little they, bit, yeah. A little bit. Like two shots, is not they? Like well over thirty shots.
1: Yeah, like thirty. It was. It. Uh, I heard at the I end know. it was only. They only said like thirty.
2: Yeah, well, that's not so bad then. Yeah,
1: but uh, I, I think honestly, you know, watching the game, it was one of their best. It was exciting, you know. Uh, they got a lead, which you know has been hard for them lately,
0: and against uh, a good team too. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you cannot diminish that.
1: Yeah, and uh, playing against, you know, their top goalie, who's still playing well. Uh. Old shit shipped hip himself. Uh, what,
0: what are you saying there, Conroy? Yeah, I know. Right? We need some
3: kind of energy, whether it's a shit, a shift, a good shift, a shot.
1: <laughs> Aaron, did you get to watch the the, the game yesterday?
3: Yeah, I did. I, I caught a little bit of it. What did you think? <clears throat> I think uh, I think Cam stole that game for him. I do too. I thought he was really good. Um, I don't know. I. I'm, I'm happy Connor Murphy's back. I'm, I'm just kind of, I know n- not a lot of people give him that much credit cause he doesn't score goals or get that many points, but I'm happy he's in the lineup. I'm happy Carl Dahlstrom's in the lineup. These are, those are my kind of guys. So if they can more grit, more grit, uh, if they can keep opponents under six or seven goals, I think we have a good chance of competing. And I think those guys help with that. So I'm, I'm happy. Where is A A Ron right now?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm glad you brought up the Connor Murphy thing because I said this as well. I think on Twitter a couple days ago, I said personally, I'm happy Connor Murphy's back, and I think he's been he's improved. He's helped improve that blue line. Agreed. He, uh I mean, he's not you know, he's not the equal of Nicholas Jomlerson, but he's the closest in that lineup probably. To what Nicholas Jamerson was, agreed, and uh, he helps a lot. I think he helps with the physical end of it. There were a couple times where I saw people, and now, of course, you know we're going to talk about the Corey Crawford thing, but um, there were several times where you know people were uh, you know falling down in the crease towards his goalie, and he was giving him a shot, which is something we haven't seen a lot of at all this year. So uh, him and the addition of Carl Dahlstrom, who's you know, six foot, what, three and two 30, six, foot, six four, foot four, two four. thirty, Yeah. Something like that. I mean, he's going to do the same thing. He's going to use his body. I mean, you, you can't not use your body when you're that big. So, you know, it's kind of nice to see, uh, they don't have a whole bunch of 170 pound, uh, five foot nine defensemen in there trying to rush the puck all game long. You put a little bit of, uh, you know, physical, uh, size on the back end that can push people around and, uh, some some better things start happening. So that's that was kind of my assessment of that whole thing.
0: Yeah, the defense has looked better since uh since Murphy um got back in the lineup. You know, and quite honestly, last night I noticed Gustav Forzeling engaging physically and you know, trying to stay between his man and the net and doing what he had to do. And I was I was actually impressed with that. I had not really seen that from him before. Um so you know maybe the message is getting through maybe you know um when they sat uh our friend gustus and how was that one game or two i don't remember but regardless maybe some maybe he and some others got 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 a message there that uh you know has helped the team
1: yeah uh i think he said a couple of games they may have been split up it may have not been two in a row and i'd have to yeah. look yeah but he definitely sat twice and uh and deservedly <laughs> so
0: you know He's, he's, he's the next Eric Carlson. Apparently I, I didn't know (laughs) that.
1: Well, Hey, you know what? Since you brought that up, this is an excellent segue there. Broadcast professional
3: right away.
1: We're going to get right into it, man. We're going to get right into it. Like Steve Conrad says,
3: we need some kind of energy, whether it's a shit, a shift, a good shift, a shot.
1: (laughs) So today on the Hawk Talk podcast, uh, with our boy, Charlie Romiliotis, uh, was with uh, Conroy and uh, Pat Boyle. And usually, you know, Pat Boyle is fine. I mean, he is what he is. Uh, and Charlie's really good. We we agree with a lot of things that Charlie says, even when we don't. I mean, we're not going to agree with everything, but Charlie's on a, you know, he's pretty reasonable dude. Um, but they had Steve Conroy on today. And uh, well, I guess it was late last night, but they had Conroy on today and they start talking about Eric Gustafson and they're going on and on and on. Now I will say, And I didn't get to pull all the clips because I I was, you know, short, a little short on time, but they do say, you know, he's, he's a little lacking in the back end, you know, aren't we all, but uh, he's a little lacking on the back end. And, uh, you know, he needs to be able to lift sticks. He needs to be more physical and all this other stuff. So they, you know, more Conrad actually does talk about it for like a good minute about what, what he needs to, what he needs to fix. But this is what uh, this is just a clip of what uh, Pat Boyle said about Eric Gustafson. Uh,
3: Everybody knows he's the best offensive defenseman on this
1: team. If he can get a more consistent, and if he can figure some things out on the defensive end, get tougher, uh, get better with sticks, lifting uh, the opposition sticks in front, playing better overall
3: defensively, this guy can absolutely be a top two or three D man in this league.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what you say to that, John?
2: Well,
0: okay. So <laughs> it's always interesting when these things come up and that we have a little back and forth on Twitter with people about them and um, you know, we're not shy about expressing our opinions and it naturally always triggers a reaction. <laughs> and, you know, one of the one of the reactions is, well, yeah, if they can teach him how to how to be better in his own zone. He's going to be phenomenal. And the, the problem with that is it sort of presumes that, you know, they, they had nobody's tried to teach him anything in the three and a half years he's been with this organization. So that in and of itself is a fallacy, um, you know, and, you know, pretty good coaches have tried to teach him that, um, you know, not least of which is Joel Quindle um off samuelson and, i mean
1: he was a yeah, good defenseman in yeah, his day
0: right and it, so whatever they've been trying to teach him to this point has not worked um and um i i just you know it's it, it I, pat sorry it's not as simple as just lifting sticks and being a little more physical i mean positionally he's a complete train wreck um and he's very very careless and sloppy with the puck and i have to i have to be honest with you this is how he was his first year in north america when he was playing in rockford uh before he was called up for the hawks he, he was a pizza man and he you know it hasn't changed and i i will also submit to you that you know part of what i think makes him good offensively is that he's thinking up the ice all the time which is a good thing but i think that it you know it it impedes his thought process in, in his own zone and making those smart, simple, and, you know, disciplined plays. Um, so it, it's it's also, I think, maybe a fallacy to say that if he just gets better defensively, he'll be the total package then. Getting better defensively may detract a little bit from what he does offensively. I would take that trade off personally because, you know, everything he gives you offensively, he takes away from you defensively. I mean, he's the Hawks' worst defensive defenseman. So, um, you know, and, 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 you know, taken as a whole on a good team, he's probably a third pairing defenseman. Yes. This is a bad team, by the way. Yes. Yeah.
1: The best offensive defenseman on this team is like the tallest midget, <laughs> right. you know? Right. So then they continue to go on and they throw it over to Steve Conroy, who comes up with this
3: um and i think that's coming and and if he can get that part of this game
1: figured out listen eric carlson isn't the best defender in the nhl but he's won a couple of norris trophies i'm not saying that eric Gustafson is going to win a norris trophy but he could be on that type of trajectory he could be on that type of trajectory
0: (laughs) yeah let's 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 speak to the whole carlson thing because that always gets thrown up but you know I, you know, I'll just say this. I watched because Craig Anderson's from my hometown and a buddy of mine used to be his agent. um, And um, I had the opportunity to meet him years ago. Um, When the Sens had that long run a couple of years ago in the playoffs, I watched every one of their games. And I watched Eric Carlson very closely. and, And he was a difference maker at both ends of the ice. He's a little bit like Duncan Keith in his own end. He makes plays with his stick he, you know, makes plays, um, you know, with with uh, getting the, the puck out of out of his end quickly and intelligently to the right man. Um, so, I mean, to say that he sucks in his own end, which is what all of the the experts out there say, and I use experts in quotation marks, um, is I think is a little bit harsh and a little bit extreme. The fact of the matter is he's he's okay in his own end. Um, that's not the highlight of his game. The highlight of his game is is coming up the ice with the pocket and in the offensive end, but he probably on his worst day is better than Gustafson will ever be on his best day. So let's just stop with that nonsense too. Over the line. (laughs) That's what I do.
1: Aaron, what do you think?
3: I don't know, guys. I I haven't been an Eric Gustafson guy in the past. You don't Um,
0: have to be now.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I'm not trying to be, Uh, but you know, when I think Norris trophy, I think like, you know, the difference between Carlson and Duncan Keith is really that plus minus at the end of the season. Um, Keith's is, Keith has been a couple times, been plus over 30 in his career. And that's something that I think is a great defenseman. You're on the ice for, you know, you don't you don't let pucks into your net and you're on the ice when pucks go into the opposing team's net. And, you know, you're part of the play, you're facilitating, you're getting the puck up the ice. I just... I don't see that other half of Gustafson's game and you know, he spent what his longest season and, uh, or is close to a full season in Rockford. It was about what? 60 some games, um, a couple years ago. And yeah, he had 30 points, but he was minus 27. And I just don't really think this position in the NHL works like that. And if you, if you can't, you know, all defensemen have to be be B two way players, so, there's just no real option in the NHL. You have to be solid defensively first, and then second if you give some offense, that's great. But I don't know, guys. I I, I feel like if, if Eric Gustafson doesn't fit the mold of the Hawks right now, then how is uh, any of their other prospects going to fit the mold? Like, How are we going to make those guys work, which is no. just a conversation. How can we develop those players if we're just getting
0: more Eric Gustafson's? If he's still around when Boquist shows up and Mitchell and uh, Bode, um, I, th- I think you're, the question is going to be who's going to play defense. Um, you know, the plus minus thing. I i am gonna i'm gonna push back on you there a little bit, Aaron, because the plus minus is is in some ways a is t- much a team stat as it is an individual stat, even though it's attributed to individual players. You look at the best teams, and you look at the Hawks in their Cup years everybody's plus-minus was was great, was much better. And it has to do, I think, with who you're playing with as much as how you're playing. It, because it, it, that's the bottom line, It's how it works. It's goal scored for and against when you're on the ice. But if you're on the ice with Marion and Jonathan Taves, um, Nicholas Jalmerson, et cetera, I mean, your plus-minus stands a pretty good chance of being a lot better, where Carlson was not playing with that caliber of players ever. Um, so I just, I I get a little itchy about using plus minus as a, as a real accurate metric of a defenseman. Um, all that said, I agree with you and I, and I agree with you about stylistically, you know, who's going to, who are going to be the the really strong lockdown defenders when those guys matriculate? Because like I said to somebody today, it's like Gustafson could probably be okay if you paired him with a, a real steady Eddie stay at home. Um, You know, cover for his partner type of guy like Nicholas Jalmerson was to Brian Campbell back in 2009, 2010. Campbell was a better defenseman than Gustafson, too. But the Hawks don't have that guy. I mean, yeah, Connor Murphy is probably the closest thing we have to Jalmerson. Again, really no comparison. I mean, but stylistically, he goes in that direction and he does some of those things. But, you know, he's never going to be that good of a player. So it beg, it's a really good question. I mean, and Stan Bowman seems to think that that's the future of the NHL is guys that get the puck out really fast and drive possession up the ice. I just, don't, I just don't think the game has changed that much or is ever going to change that much to where you don't have a responsibility to cover in your end, to engage physically, uh, to block shots, um, you know, to, to clear the area around the net, all those things that may sound like cliches, but they are a real part of the game.
2: Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think we're all on the same page as far as Gustafson goes. It's like, uh, yeah, well, someone's got to score on this team, and if you put him on an actual good team, he gets buried down the lineup. Um, it's just like kind of the shiniest piece of crap in a
0: toilet. You know, can I just while we're on this topic, though, what is it that? okay? so last night on NBCSN, they're having this, you know, televised love fest for Gustus, And then today there's an article that comes out talking about his just sky high potential. Um, Does this not seem a little orchestrated to you guys?
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because they don't really have much else to push. Uh, You know, they got to have something going and something to look forward to uh, on January 1st when they, you know, play the Bruins in uh, Notre Dame Stadium. And we got nothing else to uh, feed out to the media. I guess uh, Eric Gustafson is the best you can do.
0: Yeah, it just it seems to me that, yeah, they're trying to find, you know, something to to get the fans amped up about and to feel really good about and and to build hope with. And it feels to me, honestly, it feels disingenuous, Um, you know, because the fact that this is a a, at best, a flawed player that, you know, now they're pushing as being, you know, a potential superstar a la Eric Carlson. Um, It it, it feels dishonest. And it's just, you know, it's basically stirring up the pot of meatballs out there um, in order to sell some tickets and, and to. You know give themselves a pass for for you know not doing the real hard work that needs to be done to rebuild this team Fair i'm just tired of this crap i'm tired of the dishonesty yep. from this organization i am
1: too i wrote an, an extended article yep. this week on the dash rink.com uh talking about the front office and their lies and how one thing leads to another and uh it just cascaded downhill and uh you know now they're tied for last in the league or they're one point up on the on the uh kings right now but that's not much so yeah, yeah it's it's not good well moving on a little bit uh let's not get uh you know on on the eric gustafson thing too long what
0: the fuck is wrong with them let's fuck figure it out that's what i say so figure it
2: out <laughs> um
1: so against the sharks the the, the the next big thing is Corey Crawford. Um, the, towards the end of the first period, Evander Kane pushes uh, Connor Murphy and uh, whoever was on the breakaway at the time.
3: He is Strom. Yeah,
1: pushes Strom. Yeah, you push a Strom into uh, whoever. And, uh, oh, it was, um, what's his face? Couture. Logan Couture. So he pushes Strom and Couture into uh, Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford falls backwards, dings his head off the, the post, and stays down. Uh, you know, they have to come out, uh, help him off the ice. He didn't look good. I mean, you could see the quick shot. Uh, they, I think NBC did a quick shot that they never went back to, where he looked a little out of it and uh, never came back. They said that uh, after the game, they confirmed that he does have another concussion. Uh, you know, or he's going through concussion protocol. I don't know. They were, they're, they're being real weird with the words about that. Whether he has a concussion or he's going through concussion c- protocol. That can well, be,
0: we'll see how long he's out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether he makes the next team flight, um, those are usually pretty good indicators of whether it's an actual concussion or not. Well, he have got to
1: be out four games. And I don't know what, what, uh, I know they're on the road for two on tomorrow and Friday. Um, do they come back home then? I don't, I have to look at the schedule. I, I don't have it open, but I mean, cause he's not going to be on that flight. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, out, out to Dallas. And then from Dallas, they go to uh, uh, Denver and visit Aaron.
3: Yeah. I should be there on Friday. That'll be cool. nice. Uh,
1: you may, you may, or at least the speculation today was you may get to see uh calendar. uh 2018 uh, NHL or 2018-19 NHL debut for this year.
3: You were here for the last one, weren't you?
1: Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Oh, which was supposed to be his debut, but then the whole Scott Foster game happened because uh, Forsberg hurt himself.
2: Right.
1: <clears throat> so, but anyway, that aside. Um. So Crawford's got a concussion. We don't know. He's got to be out at least four games if you're taken out for, or you have to go under that kind of the thing, or uh, I guess if it's a confirmed concussion, you're out for four games, maybe something like that. But they said he's got about four games. Cam Ward, uh, right now was, you know, the starting goalie, Colin Delia. as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, was called up on an emergency basis from Rockford. So that gives them like, uh, I think it's 10 games before it's converted over to a regular call up. Um, so, I mean, no one knows really what's going to happen right now. They're they're being quiet. They haven't given us any status right now. It's just, you know, Cam Ward is their goalie and Calendelia and Corey Crawford's back in the closet again. So, um, I mean, if Corey Crawford's done, I mean, not that he was helping any anyway, but you might as well just start selling everyone else off. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to do you any good this year, and it's not going to do you any good next year if you hang on to them. So start selling, start selling assets right away. As soon as this this uh, holiday, uh, you know, little uh, buffer they have here they they don't allow trades over the holidays. But as soon as that's over with, just start selling them off. That's uh, kind of all you have left to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, if yeah. If Crawford is is done, yeah, there's there's no point. I mean, um, the, unless the, then they'll start sell, trying to sell Cam Ward as being you know the comeback kid, and you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past him. But um, yeah, I mean, with Crawford, it's it's just gonna be it's gonna be interesting if he's you know out say for a minimum period of games that he has to be out, and he comes back and he's a hundred percent. You know, you could almost spin that that it's a good sign for him because. He took a knock and they put him through the protocol and he's okay. Um, But if he's out for any, any appreciable period of time, and it is a legitimate concussion, then you're going to, you're getting into a discussion around his long-term health, you know, because as, as it's been, you know, borne out um, and reported now quite a bit that, you know, a lot of these guys suffer these symptoms and they get worse as they get older, even, even after they retire some of these guys and they're disabled um, or their lives are shortened. And, you know, Crawford has to start thinking about that. If this is in fact another concussion, um, you know, of any severity.
1: Yeah. Did you, uh, what do you think about this, Aaron?
3: Well, I recall us talking about this scenario, uh, over the summer, I believe we had a ring cast and we talked about, well, what if Crawford comes back and he gets drilled in the, in the mask with a puck? You know, it's a contact sport and it's going to happen again. And we are saying, well, what's going to happen if he gets hurt again? You know, what's their, their plan going forward? And we pretty much, I don't know, I, I'm with everybody else. You know, Powers came out with that article talking about you need to put Corey Crawford's health first. I'm 100% in agreement with that. You know, I want to see this guy and you know, signing autographs in, in 20 years and, and being part of the alumni who, who got us a couple of cups. And, you know, mm-hmm. right now, it just really doesn't matter. Like, let's get this guy off the ice. If he needs to retire, fine. Like, that's that's part of the reveal. Let's let's move on. And,
0: and right. like yeah. They're not going anywhere anyway. With him, they're not going anywhere.
3: So Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's right. Maybe you should have traded him while he, he was uh, an asset. But now that he's hurt, like, don't take any chances you know there's so much research going into um head injuries right now and it's, it's just not worth it to anybody and i know it's a business and i know that he's under contract but you're you're talking about this guy's life right now and i i don't uh, need to see any more wins out of this season from him as far as i'm concerned
1: yeah wins this season that, that's a rare thing
3: yeah we just we just don't eat it. We stink. Um, bottom line, and it's just let let the guy heal, let him rest. And I know he's a competitor. He's gonna he's a hockey player, so he's gonna say, "Get me back in." I don't really care, but that's not you know for his best interest or the best interest of the team right now. So I don't know. I'd I'd rather see Colin Delia right now on the ice. He's been really good on a an okay Rockford team this year. And uh, that guy's hungry. I mean, look what he's done in the last couple of years. I don't want to make this about Delia, but I'm just saying the guy is, Oh, let's make it about Delia. <laughs> no, go ahead. This guy in the last, I'm going to say year and a half has risen every single level of hockey to get to the NHL and get a taste. And now he's honing his craft. And, uh, you know, I think the the Hawks really got a gift that this guy fell on his lap and, I I wanted to make a point a little bit later in the podcast about the Blackhawks finally drafting a goalie. Um, I think they have a really good opportunity in that second round this next year to maybe take a shot at Spencer Knight, um, Team USA goalie. But we'll see about that. But, um, yeah, I I, I think Crawford's just, you know, I think he should be out of the plans for his his own good. And where do we go from here is a good question i don't I don't think cam ward cam Ward is a is a bandaid and we've all known about that, right
1: yeah, well, he's um, done
3: at the end of the year anyway, so yeah, I think getting Delia in here and letting him learn the ropes and giving it giving the net to him would be great and then it, looking deeper in the system, your boy Walter peters. <laughs> don't hear much about, don't hear much about him. He's uh,
1: disappeared. I was I did so I did a little bit of research um, I, when I was writing my article, and I'm like, hey, what about Voder Peters? And I looked, and he hasn't played a game since uh, October first. He's been yeah, out, yeah. and there's been no team reports, no injury reports. Like you, he's not on his team's roster, the Lincoln Stars in the in the uh, USHL. He's gone. <laughs> I don't know if he fell off the face of the earth or what, but
3: well, there's him, and there's the. Ravel that we took last year, who's, you know, it's a late round pick. We we don't know how that's going to turn out. We'll see. Uh, Nalimov or whatever. And that's nah, who knows what's going on, on with that. that so, yeah, I mean, they don't, they, they don't, they don't have much in the way of
1: goalie depth. I mean, you know, look, look, the funny part about this is look who we've kind of skipped. Anton Forsberg, <laughs> you know, he's kind of forgotten about it. It's like, why? he doesn't seem like he's in anyone's plans anymore. Because, I mean, the Blackhawks could have, you know, when he was the backup at the beginning of the season, they could have played him. They didn't. They didn't play him a single game. They they had Cam Ward playing back-to-backs. Wouldn't play
3: Anton Forsberg. I, I think they've seen enough of him. Yeah, I do too. I think he's got plenty of chances. The guy's kind of just an AHL um, champion or whatever. I, he was great, but it just didn't translate to the NHL for some reason, whether it was mental or... Well, they yeah they they screwed with his head and
1: he just didn't have, he didn't have the attitude to be able to handle it.
3: Yeah, I I just think that's a really good opportunity for them to to really take their goalie of the future because if I mean look look at this kid Carter Hart who just came out he was Team Canada's goalie for a while uh, for their junior team he started his first game and won it against the Red Wings for the Flyers, um, and they're they're going to be a a handful of young goalies that are coming into the league that are insanely talented. So I think that's, it's a really good opportunity for the Hawks to really get a top prospect and develop him. I think Crawford was a second round pick, wasn't he? He was,
0: he was, they, yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they really, it would not hurt them to, to, if there's, if it's a really good year for goalies to grab one, um, because I don't think they have anybody right now that they can point to and say, that is the, the guy in the future. I don't think they have that. I mean, they got a couple of possible candidates. Um, and I don't think that, I, I don't know, I'm not buying that they've totally written off Forsberg yet. Um, they, maybe they have, I don't know. I have, but I haven't heard that from anybody specifically. Um, just, I mean, it's, it, I think, I think they're they're waiting to see who, who steps up here in the next year or so. And, and, becomes that guy in the future if they have that guy and maybe they need maybe they do need to draft that person yet
1: yeah uh gravel i mean you know he, he he's still you know years down the road but he looks promising I, he looked really good in camp he was one of the better goalies they had there. definitely better than peters which i'm eric <laughs> andrews and i we just shake our heads and and you guys last year the year before that i think you uh you uh mario and i uh, we were at that camp and we we're just like, I don't know. I guess he's all right, but like deal, you outshined him and he just, he's just a guy, you know? So do we still, do we still have Tompkins in, and yeah. um, Indy Tompkins is an in Indy. Yeah. He's actually been one of the better goalies in the ECHL. Um, uh, the nail him off thing. I'm not like, I'm not on the nail him off bus. Uh, He's a head case. He's been dropped by two or three teams in the KHL. Uh, when he was playing well, he was his contracts were terminated. He was sold off to other teams. I mean, there's a reason for all that. So there, there's something up. There's something. There's more brewing with that. And uh, yeah, Forsberg. I, I'm not a big Forsberg fan. I never was. Uh, you know, maybe he can get his... Maybe can get his confidence up a little bit. I don't know. But um, apparently right now they're, they're not interested in bringing him up. They already got him through waivers, so they didn't have to give him up for free. And waivers, I think, uh, have to be re- uh, redone every 30 days, I'm pretty sure. And it's been 30 days since uh, Crawford came back. So uh, they would have to put him through waivers again if they wanted to put him down if Crawford was to come back. So that may have been part of the Delia thing, why they brought Delia up over a, a Forsberg, but uh, who know, really knows at this point?
0: Well, I mean, Delia is not going to play much, and Forsberg's going to play every day now. So I don't know. I, 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 it's, hard to, it's hard to read without you know, hearing something specifically from somebody saying that they're going in a certain direction. I do know that, that Delia's stock has gone way up that's that's without question. But I think at the same time, they he's an unknown in the NHL at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he only played like two games last year so. Yeah. 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 Well, um, as we sit right now, the Hawks are 11, 19, and 6 with 28 points. They're 7th in the Central, 30th overall. They hopped over the Kings by one point uh, with that win yesterday. Uh, the goal differential is still negative 34. They're 14th in face-offs. Their PK is 31st, so that's last. They're tied for last in the power play. Uh, Goals for 101. That's right in the middle at 17. Uh, Tied for 30th uh, with goals against with 135. So um, that's dropped. (laughs) They've dropped. They were near the top of the league when the season began, and they have steadily uh, dropped down the rankings. Uh, They give up uh, 34 shots a game which is 28th. Uh, their possession numbers five on five are about even They're, uh The Corsi's 50%. The Fenwick's 48%. Their high danger, save percentage. They've climbed up three spots in, in the past week to 84% or 84.7%. Sorry. And the, uh, their 25th and five on five save percentage at nine Oh nine. So that they kind of, uh, they raised that up just a hair. So that's kind of where they sit right now. Um, the winter classic in two weeks, you got that going on. Um, Dylan Sakura and Carl Dahlstrom have come up. They were called up. Um, we haven't seen, you know, anything from Delia yet, but, uh, Sakura and Dahlstrom came up, uh, Aaron, what is your opinion on what you've seen from Sakura or Dahlstrom so far?
3: Uh, I think Dahlstrom in this, uh, call up looks a lot more comfortable. So you see him skating with the puck more. I think before he was really kind of just playing hot potato when he was up last year, uh, he looked good, good stick, good in the defensive zone, but like really didn't, we didn't see a lot of him with the puck. And I think when he went down, uh, he just started getting some more confidence and really started shooting the puck on net more. If he's open. Um, he's I think he's already been a really good first pass distributor out of his own zone, but in, in the opposing, in the offensive zone, um, you know he doesn't really shine. He kind of just gives it to other people. And I think in the last couple games, you see Dahlstrom like shooting for sticks, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, I I thought his his gap was actually really good. Uh, you don't really see him getting destroyed or crushed. Like making really smart decisions, getting the puck up the board. So I I, I like what I've seen from Dahlstrom. For Sakura, uh, he still just looks really timid and nervous. I don't know if you guys noticed that too, but. Um, I, I just think that once he just gets a few more games under his belt, like he's a really good skater and a really good puck handler. And he's just, I don't know, I, I, I think it's very similar with a lot of younger players who are skilled or just kind of put into a, a position where it's not really their expertise, where he should really be carrying the puck. And he's on a line maybe where other people are carrying the puck for him but I don't know. I think he just needs to adapt more. I think a guy like Dominic Cahoon adapted his game to play with Jonathan Taves. And I think he's thriving. Um, I think just Sakura needs to really find out what's, what's working for him at this level and do it um, and not try to do too much. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Colton's the right guy to at least help him along the way. What are you, what are your guys thoughts? Go ahead, John.
0: Uh, <clears throat> well, you know, Dalstrom looks okay, um, kind of relatively mistake-free, um, not spectacular. Um, you know, it's funny when I was watching him the other night. I'm thinking to myself, again, if this is, you know, a deep um, defense that's typical of a you know cup-contending team, is he even is he even playing? I don't know. You know, he's maybe a maybe a six-seven guy. So fine. Um, but he's looked okay, and he's, he's, he's been a little bit more noticeable for, for the right reasons um, versus last year when he was called up. Um, Secura, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking again, Gate, about the statement that Bowman made last year. It was around this time of year when, you know, talking about the trade deadline, he said Dylan Secura is going to be our big big trade deadline acquisition, which, you know, at the time, both you and I, I think our heads were going to explode. and And we were right because... Here we are, um, you know, a year later, um, and this guy's still sort of trying to establish himself as, as an NHL player every night. And, um, he just, to me, he, he looks like he's physically not mature enough to handle, um, the high traffic areas and the physical, physical aspects of NHL play. He's pretty much a perimeter player. Um, you know, when you watch him with the puck, He makes quick decisions. He can make smart decisions. He has good vision. Um, But that in and of itself is not going to be enough to make him a really effective NHL player. He's going to have to put more things together in his game. Um, And so far, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really impressed. And I'm wondering what his path is. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's like Roosevelt. I mean, Roosevelt was, you know, better at this point, you know, in his career with the blackhawks but he's kind of that type of player he's a bigger dude he's gonna push people around a little bit um yeah he hasn't killed him so that's great you know he's got some size which i like to see back there so uh you know hey uh with sakura i mean you see a couple of flashes like where he blasted up the middle of that one and uh uh whatever game that was in uh He ended up putting it in that yeah, that was an okay play. Yeah, that was that was that was some nice strength from a guy that weighs like 100, you know, 60 pounds. He he barreled his way through there, which is what you want to see more out of him. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you're not going to see. You're not going to see anything, uh, you know, glaring come out from a, a Dahlstrom. or, but you should start seeing some things from Sakura.
0: But this is again going back to what we were talking about with Gustafson. This is again where the, where the organization starts pumping these guys' tires and building expectations for them that don't help anybody, including the player. Um, and it, it also calls into the question their judgment. You know, if, if, if this guy was the guy that was going to help really help this team last year at the trade deadline, I mean, what the hell is Stan Bowman looking at? Really? He's an NHL GM, and he, he's he's making those kinds of statements about guys that a year later are basically marginal NHL players.
1: Well, th- that's a good point because last week we had our boy Billy, and he says, "Why aren't you know Why isn't the traditional media, and it it can't be us because we don't you know we don't go to all the press Not conferences." Traditional, or are we media. Yeah, uh, why doesn't the traditional media question him on things like that? And that's a good question. You know, you said this guy was our you know trade deadline acquisition and a year later, he can barely stick in the NHL. Like what does that say? Yeah. You know, what are you lying to us or are you bad at your
0: job or both? You know,
3: didn't trade anything to get him. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, if he, if he eventually pans out, which I'm not saying is out of the question, he, he was a sixth round draft pick. That's great. No, that's, that's a, that's a very high value draft pick. However, the issue is is the expectations that have been created around him, that so far he has not lived up to. And it, again, it begs the question: Okay, if you're if you're putting all your chips onto these particular types of players, um, what it, it, you're not doing you're not doing the other things that you need to do to, to get the good players in here. I mean, and the, and that case, that that quote is a case in point. I mean, you can't. It's nothing but that. It's saying I'm not going to really do anything because we're getting Dylan secure at the deadline. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: for sure.
3: I think another uh, example of that you might see this year is um, how the media has been pumping Evan Barrett. Uh, So he's still on the team USA junior roster so far um, on a top line and he's having a really good year in college and a couple people saw his lacrosse-style goal from behind the net. And, uh, you know, we we had someone, uh, we had David on. Yeah. Uh, and we talked to him, and he really likes Evan Barrett. Uh, and it's kind of like the opposite of the defenseman situation with Ian Mitchell. Ian Mitchell uh, could go back for his junior year. He has the option, but there's this log jam of defensive young prospects, first round picks that are probably going to be jumping into the NHL next year. And it's just really about opportunity and timing. So with Evan Barrett, he could come in at the end of this year and play those nine or 10 games um, and and really have a serious opportunity at getting a really good look. And I'm afraid the same thing is going to happen with him where he might leave college a year early because he feels he can get fast tracked because the media is pumping him up and um you know chicago fans in this fan base hawks fans are are thirsty for young players um who can get us back to contention so i'm, I'm kind of afraid that the same thing is going to happen with him it certainly could
1: happen because they're gonna you know the way they're pumping up eric gustafson right now like he's gonna be the next norris trophy winner uh they, they're going to need something, you know, when it gets to be, uh, you know, February, March, and they're still, you know, hovering around last place. Uh, you know, they're not going to go out there and be like, hey, guys, we're really happy that we might get the first overall pick. They're not going to say that to people because they're, they've, they've proven that they're chicken about that, that they don't want to admit it, you know, that, that they've resorted to that. They want to hide and lie and cheat and steal and whatever. So that's not what they're going to do. They're going to try and hype up the, the next prospect, the next Sakura. You know who was it before him, and who was it before him? Right. It was Yokihara. Yep. Yeah, it's always it's always that one guy. And you know, well, per-
0: and you know what it is? It's it's also because they know their target audience, and Hawk fans, especially the latter day Hawk fans of the post two thousand seven era, they're they're comforted by what they know, and they're they're they're. Mistrusting and resentful of, of what they don't, so that's where you get into this whole dynamic of vastly overvaluing hawk, hawk prospects and undervaluing those of other teams. And the, the the front office, the marketing department, they play right to that, and that's why they keep hyping these prospects and saying that they're so awesome because there's there's a portion of the fan base that eats it up, and they want to hear it. It's like you know people who watch a certain news network because they, they actually physically are addicted to what they're hearing.
1: It's the and jabronis out there, right?
0: Exactly. It's jabroni fest, 2019. It's the whole world gone crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yes, it has. Um, and that's, that's, that's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're basically just stirring up the meatball pot uh, with, with this, you know, with these expectations around these, these guys that, You know, again, and it's Barrett. You know, Barrett plays a a, you know a gritty style. He's an agitator, but he's doing it in college, and guys can get away with stuff in college that they can't get away with in the pros. And I remember, you know, people were were sharing YouTube videos of Sekiro when he was in college, and he was skating into the slot and, you know, getting these shots on goal. And I'm thinking to myself, in the NHL, he's going to get absolutely creamed trying to do that. And it's it's just a different game and. Yeah, here they are. They're, you know, creating these expectations that most of these guys are never going to live up to. The one guy that they have that I think that they can be just, you know, talking up incessantly is Bocavist because he has elite talent. And there's no question about that. But, you know, after that, it's it's I think it's a mistake. And I think that sooner or later it's going to catch up with them because people are going to get tired of it. You'd think you'd think
1: you'd think, but the meatballs just keep on reproducing.
0: Well, I mean, at some point, but the meatballs have thrived on year after year of very competitive teams, um, playoff teams, et cetera. This team has now not been a playoff team for uh, a year, going on two years, and they're not going to be this year. So it'll be two years. And I, I do think that more and more um, of the diehard true believers are, are stripping away now and saying, you know what? No, this, this thing needs to be fixed. It needs to be overhauled. Um, but there's still enough of them out there you know that they're going to keep they're going to keep doing this until enough people stay away, enough sponsors leave and, you know, eventually Rocky works notices it and and takes action. That'll change Not it. Too
1: good, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I agree. Um well, All right. Um also uh Artem Anisimov and Forsling were activated. We kind of talked about Forzling a little bit, but Anisimov is back now uh and as a result of an injury that happened yesterday, Luke Johnson was recalled today. So, back to the injury. Um, Marcus Krueger yesterday ran, into, sm- ran smack dab into the elbow of Ryan Hartman and uh, probably broke his nose, at least from the way it looked. It looked like he broke his nose, and he has a concussion. So, he's going to be out for a while, too. Uh, there has been, as with a lot of plays like that, there has been, you know, a... a a real deliberate divide between whether it was dirty or whether, you know, it was just, he ran into an elbow. Uh, my, uh, my thoughts on that are that elbow barely moved it. If at all, if it did, it wasn't intentional because if you're going to move an elbow, it's going to be a lot more than just, you know, a fraction of an inch. Um, Hartman did nothing to get out of the way, but, uh, that's on Kruger, man. Don't run into the dude's elbow. It, was basically in the same spot when you were five feet away as it was when you were right in front of it so um i think it was just an unfortunate play i really is you know I, i'm not a huge ryan hartman fan but i really it didn't look intentional to me what do you guys think
0: i'm not sure because um, i think that the motion of the elbow was coming back and up Um, it had to be coming back because if it wasn't coming back and the elbow was just hanging there or going forward, he doesn't break his nose. Um, so Pappy made a really good point on one of our chats that when you're skating backwards, you, it's really hard to do without moving your elbows. And that is true. And he was skating backwards away from the boards. All that said, you know, it's one of those deals where a guy who has a history of dirty and stupid plays makes a borderline dirty, stupid play he doesn't always get the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I, I, for myself, I don't know for sure that it was dirty or that it was not dirty. I felt like I saw the elbow coming. He saw Kruger and the elbow started coming up. And that, to me, at first made me say dirty. Then I thought a little bit more about it, I'm not sure. But I, I'm not. I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of on the fence.
3: Darren? <sighs> I, I want- <laughs> I watched it a couple times. I don't think it was a dirty play. I mean, his Hartman wasn't really looking.
0: Um, he and, saw him coming. He, he looked over his right shoulder and saw him coming. Yeah. But well, I mean,
1: but, but I mean, to, to, have, to stick your elbow out on the opposite, uh, on the opposite side, he, he looked over his right shoulder and then he, he stuck his left elbow up, which is, which was on the end of his stick. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, and to be able to get the guy square in the nose that way.
0: I think he saw where Kruger was going. Again, I'm not saying I'm not No, saying I know, he, no, I know.
1: He, I know, I know. I'm just saying
0: injured, but he, I think he looked from his right, shirt, right shoulder. I think he saw where Kruger was going. And it could also be that he was bringing his elbows up just to brace himself too. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's possible too. Although Kruger's not the kind of guy typically who's gonna paste the guy into the boards from behind. He's not typically. But then again, you know, Hartman may not have had time to make that calculus in his head and he's like, I better I better brace here. And and that could be why he yeah. did it.
1: So anyway, yeah, I mean, we don't we don't want to get too far into this, but uh, so Kroger's going to be out for a while. They called Luke Johnson up, so he's he's going to be around. Um, we were talking about narratives a little earlier, and I kind of wanted to bring this up again um, because it it still doesn't go away, and it's the P- Panarin thing. You're still getting, you know, oh, cr- put Corey Crawford on long-term injured reserve or whatever the case. Use the money, whatever money you can use, go over the cap, get Panarin. And that, that's
0: that, ridiculous. That's, I, that's like wrong on so many levels. Yeah, I, I
1: know. I know it, it is. And I kind of thought of this analogy today and and I wanted to bring it up. And um, this Panarin <laughs> thing would be like the Blackhawks being that guy that lives in a little one bedroom apartment <laughs> and he, he lives in his little one bedroom apartment. He doesn't have anything. And, you know, he's got frozen dinners in the fridge and all that other stuff. Just, how
0: about what, why don't we have him live in a little cabin in Montana? <laughs> what
1: that too? Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh you know he's you're struggling and you know he's got to pinch pennies but sitting outside of his one bedroom apartment he's got a seventy thousand dollar escalade that he drives around
0: right
1: you know it, you're you're not putting your money where it needs to be like cars they devalue they don't you know you know they don't increase in value they go down real estate that increases you know it, it's just easy stuff like that,
0: but. but again, this this is the this is the post two thousand hawk fan hawk fan mentality that uh, our, our, you know Artemi Panarin is like one of the greatest players in NHL history, and we have to get him back. They don't have the perspective to go. Yeah, he's a really good player, but he's 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 a left wing, which they don't really need that badly. Um, and this team, you know, the team that he was on in two thousand sixteen. Was eliminated in the first round, it wasn't that good of a team with him. It was okay. It was pretty good with him. Um, But since he's left, they've lost Nicholas Jomerson. They've lost, um, God, who else? I mean, they've lost several valuable assets. And he would be coming back to a a dramatically diminished team. Um, And why? What's the point? I mean, what he's not going to make them a Stanley cup contending team again, not by himself, not by a long shot. Yeah. I don't understand why people think it's so imperative that they get him back
1: because they went out and bought jerseys two years ago and now they're, they want to make them valuable again. Right. I mean, that, that was my whole thing about this. You're throwing money at the wrong thing. That was my whole analogy with this. You're spending your money in the wrong place. Why don't you be more reasonable? You know, invest your money in you know a good couple of good solid defensemen. And now this summer you may have to invest in a goalie. Like use the money where it's needed. It's not needed. You don't need to spend the blow the whole wad on one guy that plays a position you don't need. That's not smart. That's not how you build a you know, you build up a new winning team. Just because the guy's a familiar name, you're not gonna throw the guy ten million dollars. You're gonna bitch about uh, you know, Kane and Tay is making ten million dollars. But what happens if Panarin goes into a slump? Right. The way they crucify, you know, Brandon Saad, he goes, you know, he goes into a slump. They want to trade him for Scott fucking darling. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on. And that's the next the thing that's gonna happen. You're gonna have another 10.5 million dollar, you know, albatross on your roster. It doesn't make any sense. Spend you, know, spend your money on a on a good defenseman or two good defensemen that can fill you know fill in some of the holes, get rid of all the clones of Eric Gustafson. You know, you can have a couple of them. You don't need six of right.
2: them. Right.
1: Dump some of them off. You get some, you know, get some other assets, get some young players. Maybe you can get and then on top of this, you can go to the draft, and if you get a top probably five pick at this point in time at least the way the draft, you know, is going, it looks like at least the top five guys are going to be uh, forwards. Two to three of them could possibly play in the NHL next year. Why don't you get a good, young, cost-controlled forward that could maybe uh, develop into a Panarin-type player because, you know, one or two or three in the in the draft could potentially do that. I mean, Patrick A, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on. You have the young cost control player that you can plug into the lineup that can give you similar production or possibly similar production to the Panarin thing. I mean, that's smarter investment right there to me. And it makes sense. But, uh, you know, if you just want to run around with your Panarin jersey and say give him every every dollar you have and blow it all on one guy, well, then you're going to have a losing team for a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it come, and the, that question always comes up when the Panera thing comes up. It's can he play defense? Yeah. And I mean, the Hawks really, you know. And I was I was just thinking, Jeff, while you're talking about, um, you know, what if, what if in the draft Bowman had been able to turn that later first round pick through some kind of a, a trade um, or sweetening somehow? And I'm not saying I'm not blaming him for not doing, it, but what if he'd been able to turn that into another top ten pick? And the Hawks two picks. In the first round this year would have been Boakvist and Noah Dobson. Now, now you got something to to build on going forward. You've got that left side puck rushing defenseman, extraordinary, extremely high talent level, and then that you know rock steady, um, big physical right side guy. Um, you know plays both ends of the ice really, really well. Skates like the wind with all the size. Um, you know, then then you've got a foundation and a cornerstone for rebuilding this team from the back end. Yeah, you um,
1: potentially have the next generation of Keith and Seabrook.
0: Right, right, and potentially better than yeah. both of them. Yeah, potentially. Um, and that's the that's the kind. Of, I, I whether it's through free agency, whether it's through a really ingenious trade that I don't think Stan Ballman could pull off. To go out and get one of the because there's young guys like that in the league right now, um, you know, who are of that 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 profile and that style. Big guys play the right side, real physical, real good, both ends of the ice. You know, <clears throat> I I feel like that's that's a glaring need, and, I, and my personal opinion is the Hawks need not one of those guys. They need two of those guys.
1: Yeah, I, I um, agree with that. Yeah,
0: Aaron? You know, um, oh no, go, then go, go, John. compare those guys with, you know, two of those four, you know small puck-rushing guys that everybody's so excited about, and there's your top four. Aaron, um, what do you got to say about oh, this? i got something, you know. Because um, I think the Hawks have some really good young forwards. I'm really impressed with Dylan Strong. Um, I think he's got a future with this team as a second-line center, potentially. Um, and you've got it. You, you know, Taves is just 30 years old. Kane is, I think, 29. I mean, uh, um, Brandon Sod's 26. Uh, you know, then... You're only Then your only question is gold, and maybe you can fix that along the way, too. So I, to me, it's like this the summer, they've got to find a way either through the draft and or free agency to get at least one really good right-side defenseman. Aaron? Got yeah,
3: you. John, I think you bring up a really interesting point. And when we were previewing the, the draft last year, um, the Hawks had the eighth pick. And we were all kind of predicting what would happen. And you know, my hot take was they should trade up to three and, and take Brady Kachuk because this is the kind of player we could really use right now. And I would have loved that. But you know, at number eight, we we took Boquist and I thought that was a really smart value pick um, for us, but they could have traded down. And I was in the camp where there was a there were a lot of really good pieces within you know eight to twenty. Um, and they could have really gotten a lot of value trading back in the first round, whether that's get a second round pick, um, and swap firsts or get some more value in the future. Uh, there are a lot of defensemen that they could have taken. Noah Dobson, Evan Bouchard was five picks away or something like that. Ty Smith, who's on team Canada juniors this year. Um, Ryan Merkley, uh, Jacob Bernard Docker, who's at university of North Dakota. is Bodie,
1: Bodie, Bodie yeah. Wild's defenseman, right? What's that? Bodie
3: Wild? No, he's. Uh, yeah, he went in the second round.
0: Yeah, okay. There were a couple of good guys in the later first round too, Ke'Andre Miller and um, Jet Wu. And uh, Mattias
3: Samuelson went first in the second round. So, yeah, we we could have traded back and gotten really good first round value and and built some pillars there for the future. But you know, that's kind of just you know, hindsight is uh, it was it was dumb. Kind of funny, right? So <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm I'm t- it's just really frustrating looking at the Black Blackhawks, uh, their cap right now. And it's just so top-heavy. And then there's just a bunch of guys who make under a million dollars. And I think that's got to be a hard thing to deal with in the locker room. You know, you make $650,000, and then there's a guy who sits next to you and makes $10 And I don't know whether that division in the locker room is is hard to deal with. It seems like there's less chemistry than when all of these guys were coming up together. Um, but it's definitely at a point where, you know, there. I think the guys in the locker room have as much frustration with the direction or non-direction of the team as the fans do.
0: Where- I think that's a, that, you know, you're not, nobody's saying that none of the players are saying that certainly or publicly in any way, and they never will. But I think that you can see in the body language sometimes uh, the frustration, the sense of "oh, not again." You know, I mean Crawford. Sometimes when he's leaving the ice at the end of a bad period, you could just see it.
1: I mentioned Uh, that, yeah, I mentioned that a couple or last podcast where sometimes it's just like you see his eyes roll up in his head, like "here we go."
0: Yeah, Um, and so and that's that's why you know I've said if they. Decide they want to do some some big overhauls at the trade deadline and and move a couple of these guys. I don't think that I think there's a couple of these guys who probably are not going to uh, object to waving for the right team. Um, uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know if this front office you know has it in them to do that or if they're going to keep this charade going on that you know this that prosperity is right around the corner. I don't know because they keep saying that crap. I think well, they
3: do. I think they do have the balls to, to make more moves because this this is unacceptable. And I think the one mistake that we made, or at least I made, a couple years ago when they moved Panarin and they moved Jalmerson was if you just look at the cap and you look at who doesn't have a no move and who can bring value, I mean, that's this, this is the same salary cap that Stan Bowman's looking at. And I'm looking at a guy like Brandon Saad. I think if there's enough value for him to be traded, I think he's going to go again, unfortunately, if there's, if there's a market for it.
0: Well, there probably would be because he's 26 years old and he has a lot of physical talent. He's won two Stanley Cups, and he played a role in both of them. Um, but to me, if I was the GM, he'd be a guy that I would want to hold on to because of the fact that he's 26, that he's relatively cost-controlled, um, he has a lot of good hockey ahead of him. That, that's what the Hawks need is the Hawks need really good young players. And he's a proven really good young player, even if he's, you know, been inconsistent the last couple of years. I mean, I, it, his talent is proven. And so I'm, I'm looking to hold on to those guys. It's the guys 30 or older. With I don't care if they have a no movement clause. I mean, I, I really believe that the state of this team is you're going to get some of those guys to wave if, if, if you present them with the right situation. Um, yeah, but it's, it's not going to be popular. The, and some of the meat, you know, the meatballs out there all want to trade Seabrook. Well, nobody's going to trade for him. Yeah.
1: Well, it's gotta be a but, guy who, who someone wants. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And so the meatballs, but you're trading, away are scoring. Yeah. But guess what? You're with that scoring, you're going nowhere. So
2: it's,
0: get your, get your head into the fact that this team has got to rebuild and there's a cost of rebuilding. It's tearing down first. And you're not going to do it without tearing down. They've been trying to rebuild without tearing down for three years, and it has been a complete and unmitigated disaster. Yep. It's going backwards. Yep. It's going to be so interesting listening
3: to the presser for locker cleanout day at the end of this year.
1: Yeah. No kidding. That's. I mean, that's what it's really got to be. I mean, uh, that was that was a good point that I think Pat Boyle brought up at the end of the thing. Is he's like, what I want from this team is I want a direction. I want to know right. where they're going. I want to know what they're doing. Like, make a plan. Make a plan. You know, say this is going to, you know, maybe maybe it is after the Winter Classic you have to do that because you have to try to Buffalo the fans into going to this stupid thing. But maybe after that, you say, well, at the trade deadline, this is what we're doing. And then, you know, at, you know, in the offseason, we're going to go after, you know, this kind of player, this kind of player, this kind of player. Uh, you know, we're going to go for someone, you know, whatever in the draft. or You know, I, you're not going to show all your cards, but at least have a plan. They're not showing anyone playing. This trade deadline going
0: to tell us a lot. This trade deadline, because if they aren't trying to move one of these big veteran salaries, um, not Seabrook because they're not going to move him, but somebody like Crawford, if he's healthy, or Keith, or you know, some might even argue for Kane. Um, you know, if they're not trying to do something like that at the deadline, then it tells you that they're half still. They're still half pregnant. They they still <laughs> are holding on to this idea that they can rebuild around these guys and get back to into cup contention in the next couple of years. And it, it hasn't happened over the last three years. It's not going to happen over the next two, but it's about managerial courage and honesty. And I don't know if they have it. Duh and or hello.
1: Well, I guess we're going to see, Um you know, I'm not, you know, optimistic about hearing anything before the uh winter classic, but after that winter classic happens, uh, and they have no reason to put, you know, keep the charade on anymore other than they could use the, you know, the excuse of ticket sales, but um, you know, whatever.
3: <clears throat> maybe, maybe we'll get another buy one, get one free uh, hockey trade. That'd be cool.
1: <laughs> you know what, You want uh, to, no. <laughs> a, li- a little off and I want to get the questions really quick, but I was thinking about this. There's a couple of trades that the Black Ops ha- have made probably in the last five years that were for uh, future considerations, that they have never gone back and investigated.
3: That was a Kruger deal, right? The Kruger yeah. deal. R- and there was one well.
1: before that too, that, that it was for future considerations. They were just trying to get someone off the roster or someone and it never came back. It wasn't like, you know, this guy's coming to the organization is, you know, part of a trade that was future considerations that has not happened. So they got a couple of trades out there that they're expecting stuff from like Vegas and another team, or at least they should be, unless, you know, they're just going to forget about it. I guess, you know, the genius Stan Bowman is going to forget about trades that he made.
0: You got um, a, you got a, an autographed eight by 10 of Gordy Clifton from Vegas.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's ridiculous too. And in and all of itself. So, but anyway, let's get the questions. So John can get out of here for the night. Um, yeah, I gotta- Bounce at about
0: 15 yep
1: Derek Ciavellis thoughts on Strom definitely enjoying his patience and ability to create some space especially in the middle will he get an NMC um I like Strom I like his size even when they used him on the wing they had him taking face offs for anisimov so I don't know but he's scoring he's going to the hard places I think you know what I think he's more useful right now than uh Nick Schmaltz was on this team and they got Pertolini, whatever he may or may not turn into. They got two players oh, no. for one. And I think Strom's holding his own. Uh, that's what I feel.
0: I don't know what Strom's face off percentage is with the Hawks. Um, so far, uh, I don't have that in front of me, but I know that career, he's been pretty good. And, uh, so I'm going to assume he's over 50%, which for this team is, is a, a meaningful improvement. Um, and it gives you another option beyond Taves. Um, but you look where he gets all of his goals right in front of the net and, you know, Nick Schmaltz never. Um, and so when the games, you know, if the Hawks get into some meaningful hockey at some point in April or May, again, sometime in the next few years, Strom's going to be valuable because he's willing to go there and, and to those high, you know, hard high traffic areas to get goals and he gets goals there. And, um, to me, you know, he he plays more like a center, a true center, than Schmaltz ever has or probably ever will.
1: Darren, what do you think?
0: Uh, I might be singled out
3: on this one, but you know, wake me up when when Dylan Strom scores fifty points in the NHL. The guy does not. I don't think he plays like the third overall pick. Well, um, that that's
1: pretty yeah. evident. Yeah,
3: yeah, uh, and that's fair. But... I don't. I don't see the skating uh good it's like yeah you got size you get to the front of the net of course but there are a lot of guys that have size and can get to the front of the net and, and you clean it, clean that stuff up nick schmaltz has i think nine points in 11 games end. Um, i'm still in the boat where i think it was a mistake to trade him before the trade deadline
0: yeah, everybody cool.
3: knows that the hawks stink this year and that they're going to be sellers why did we have to make that move then
0: um, well, I think there was a. I think there was a dressing room issue. I think some guys were really getting tired of his act. Okay, that's a different thing. But if you guys, I, and I uh, nobody's told me that, but it certainly, just from the tone of some of the comments that Olchek was starting to make, which by the way he makes about Eric Gustafson too, um, it was just a sense of exasperation that if if Olchek's picking up on it as an ex player and as an ex head coach in the league, I guarantee you some of the players were, um, and. You know, yeah, Schmaltz has done nicely so far in Arizona, but Water tends to find its level, and unless he's gone through a, a real attitude change, you know, it may just be sort of the Anthony Duclair syndrome where he goes to a new city and he play, he's a superstar for a while because he, he played his way out of the last city. I I, I don't know that could happen. I, my personal feeling is that may happen with Schmaltz, that he's going to revert to Norm at some point and, um, you know, be what he was here in Chicago at some point. And, and again, I look at how strong, I don't care how well he skates. Um, I, it's, it's sure it's somewhat important, but the, you know, the annals of the NHL are littered with guys who are brilliant skaters who are overall very unproductive players because they lacked some of the other tools and, and requirements. Um, and then there are guys who are not great skaters. Brett Hall, for example, scored 700 goals. So, um, I, 50 points, I c- he could be a 50-point player playing with DeBrenka and another decent wing. I mean, I don't know what, what his uh, pace is like in Chicago so far. I would think it's a 50-point pace.
3: All right. Well, I think my my top point was that if you're going to sell Nick Schmaltz, he's, he's been productive in the NHL, and you would trade him to a team who has his rights to sign him as an RFA, so they know they're going to get him long-term. I just think they could have gotten something a lot more valuable like this team needs picks. We I don't think we need. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say another team's trash because I think Dylan Strom has more talent than that. But you know we don't need another team's experiment. We need our own guys. And I thought we just could have gotten a lot more for his return.
1: I think if Nick Schmaltz stayed on the pace that he was going, his trade value would have dropped more. Yeah, I agree. And he was and he wasn't coming out of the slump. He was just sinking deeper and deeper. He was, you know... He was a healthy scratch. Yeah, he was was in healthy scratch mode. Like, you're betting on him, you know, finding a resurgence in the middle of a terrible season. Uh, I don't know, man. I I think that Stan just has has his bet and said, that this is the best we're going to get for him. Two former first rounds for a former first round. You know
3: yeah um, one thing i will uh admit is he cannot take a face off uh john you'll love this he's 27 percent right now for the coyotes yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah
3: um yeah anyway
1: all right well uh moving on uh brian w which is uh santo or sant 85 uh if crawford was wait if that was crawford's last game as an nhl goalie is he a hall of famer I'm a Crawford fan, and I say maybe not. Um, yeah, I, I. It's the Hall of, you know, it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Good. Like right. he was very good. He won two cups. He had a, a strong like four or five year stretch. But uh, was he the top player at his position? He no. was up there, but he wasn't the top. He wasn't dominant. See. He was very good, but he wasn't dominant. I'm going to say no. I mean, you know, if they want to retire his number in Chicago or whatever they want to do, I'm all for all that stuff. But I don't know. I, I'm not necessarily on for the Hall of Fame thing.
0: Yeah. I'm going to jump in on this, then I got. Yeah. I have to I have to bounce. Yeah, that's fine. Aaron and I will finish so, up. I thought about this one today a lot. It was very thought-provoking, and thanks, Brian, for the question. Um, here's, here's I think, what you're going to hear around the league um, in, in answer to this, is Mark Andre Flory, a Hall of Fame goaltender? Is Chris Osgood a Hall of Fame goaltender? Because you know Crawford has been a very good, to near elite goaltender in the league for a number of years. But the the, the thing that really you know um, I think would be the arguing points for him is that he won two cups. But so did Mark Andre Fleury. Um, Osgood won at least one. I don't know if he won two. Um, but the, the answer on those guys is no, they're not and They're not half goalies either. Um, and, uh, you know, the, then, you know, the, there's a statistical argument or, or a level of, of play And there, the last couple of years before he sustained the concussion, he truly was carrying this team and masking a lot of its flaws. And that was Crawford at the top of his game. And he was a really, really good goalie. Um. But, I mean, uh, Pecorino is another guy that they'll ask that question about. And I don't know if he gets in the Hall of Fame either. Um, but, you know, the, Crawford also, for the bulk of his career, played behind a two time Norris Trophy winner and another outstanding defensive defenseman in Nicholas Jalmerson, Brent Seabrook, and two or three of the best defensive forwards of, the, of his generation, too. I mean, three or four of them Patrick Sharp, Jonathan Taves a Selkie winner, Marion Hosa, a fantastic defensive forward, and Marcus Kruger, a really, really good defensive forward. So, you know, all in all, what, what was in front of Crawford, you know, really put him in position to succeed. Granted, he picked up the ball and he ran with it, and then there was a time when he was really kind of carrying the team, to his credit. But I, to me, I, I don't think he goes in the hall. I'm with you guys. I just don't think he has the individual
3: awards for it. I do have another question though. Do you think the Blackhawks um, put his
0: jersey in the rafters? Yes. And with that, good night, fellas.
1: All right. Take care, JJ. Bye,
0: Jeff.
1: Have a good Christmas. You too. So, um, do you think? I I think possibly. I mean, two cups. Uh, he carried them, you know, in 13 and 15. It's very possible. That, that, the Hawks that,
3: are pretty selective of, of who they put up there. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. I, I,
1: you know, I could go either way on it. If they want to do it, you know, that's fine by me. I I, I don't hate that. I mean, I, I really love the guy as a player, so, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and maybe it it's one of those things like, uh, you know, how his career ended, you know? If his career ended because of that, you know, concussion, like it's kind of a tragedy that his career ended that way. So that may be another thing that they take into account, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I say, I think we all agree. No on the hall of fame, which is not a slight on him at all, but, uh, just, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have high expectations for the hall of fame. And, uh, I don't, I don't think that his numbers are uh, high enough. He wasn't a star wasn't the bona fide star. He was a number three goalie on team Canada. Like that's in his era. Sure. That's nice. But, uh, it's not hall of fame number or hall of fame quality stuff. So,
2: yeah.
3: <clears throat> Looking forward to this next question. Yeah, another
1: rinkcast Top or run, another topic for the rinkcast from Brian, uh, which is Sanot eighty five. Sorry on Twitter, uh, the Hawks went from musty TV to hardly watch in in two years. Why? Uh, fans spoiled success, unrealistic expectations fueled by Blackhawks marketing. Maybe just a dip in typical pro team sports cycle. Is it personal? Stan, John, McD, other? Um, I'll go first. (laughs) Um, I outlined this in my article this week. I went deep on all this stuff. I mean, it was, uh, bad contracts. Uh, it was, uh, you know, mismanaging, mismanaging, (laughs) mismanaging money. Uh, you know, a, a couple extra million here, a couple extra million there, too many years on the end of this contract, no movement clauses here. I think uh, that was kind of irresponsible. Um, I think McDonough uh, has unrealistic expectations. He's not really a hockey guy. He's a marketing guy. He doesn't necessarily um, – I, I he doesn't necessarily know hockey as well as some other guys do, you know, a hockey organization. He runs it from a marketing perspective and what's going to make the fan. you know, what, what he can put up on a billboard and what he can sell to his, you know, sponsors and stuff like that. He's not really, how do you build a hockey team? So it's that. um, Yeah. And, and, and again, the, the, the Blackhawks, marketing team selling you a bill of goods which isn't exactly what it was they're kind of you know selling you snake oil uh, by telling you the team was better than it was last year when it wasn't and and hiding the whole crawford thing and back and not back and forth and back and forth it's a lot of stuff in the back office that is finally catching up with them basically what do you think
3: yeah i don't think there's one real uh clear answer as to why they got so cold so quickly but i do kind of come back to the contracts that Kane and Taze signed, um, I think it was five years, six million a piece. Um, they, they took bridge deals when they didn't have to. And I think that that's a major reason why the Blackhawks had that window of you know dominance um, from 2010 to 2015, is because they had extra money to spend it on depth. And you look at other teams like Toronto, who haven't had Stanley cup uh, runs, they've, you know, have all this hype and all this potential, but look at all the cap problems they're running to now. And they haven't even had, you know, success. So you have guys like Marner and Nylander and Matthews, all wanting $10 million and Eichel, um, all these young players skipping that bridge deal. And I think it's important to note that, um, you know, money management is everything. And, you know my friend always tells me chicago's a football town and I think it is um, they're always going to live and die with the bears and the Blackhawks is a niche thing it's it's not a top three sport um, but when they're winning when they have the talent uh, it was you know it was a really exciting time and I, I don't want to call it a phase i don't I don't want to call it um, a cycle but we have to come to the reality that I, we think management and uh, you know managing this salary cap and these players were a little bit too loyal, and they didn't really say goodbye to some of some players that may have been past their prime, and they they just kind of held on to this uh, this image of who they were in the past, and and I think that's really easy to be a victim of.
1: Right, it is, but if you are a top GM in the NHL, you need to know how to let go of things and uh that that was part of my thing about is bowman a top gm in this nhl because look at what he's you know what he hasn't done or or a lot of the fumbles that he's done uh there's just it it, there's a lot of stuff and now that he's not winning cups like they're even more blatant and are you going to cut him some slack or do you want your team to win you know it's sorry but this is a business and, and the business is, is winning. If you want to build a winning franchise, you're going to have to make some hard choices right now. And they haven't made any hard choices in a couple of years.
3: I'm with you. Yeah. I, I think those hard choices have been hard to make for, for this front office. Um, you know, they were kind of, they all came in at the same time and really just grew together and had a lot of success and, and maybe it got to their heads to where they thought they could, charge what they want for games. um, And fans would still stick around even if they weren't winning. And as long as Taze and Kane were and Keith were on the team, everything was going to be fine. Well, they put all their eggs in their core. You know, we kept, we've been talking about the core for so long. This is the same core and, you know, they're dead last. So this is the gamble that they chose. This is the bed that they made. And now fans are starting to question, well, how did we get here so fast? You know, this that's what this question is based around. Um, and that's just not a good management of turning over the roster or developing players, drafting players. You know, it's a process. It, it's its uh, look how many players the New England Patriots move on from. Yeah. And, and look how many, you know, Sam Bowman thinks he's good at bargain, uh, basement bargain deals. Yeah. Look at, uh, you know. The the Patriots they pick up anybody and everybody who has who has talent, uh, and and can turn it positive. But you know they they move on from guys left and right, and they continue to be at the top of the NFL. And I know it's apples and oranges, and but you know it seems like the best teams in pro sports they make the hard decisions. They understand it's a business. They move on from guys. They say, hey, look, it's nothing personal. Y- you know, you did us a great service. We appreciate it, but we're we're it's time to move on we're getting some new younger guys in the door and I just, we haven't really seen that we've, we've shown our younger guys, the door, how many young guys, young pieces have we moved on from? It's like, we're doing the exact opposite of what good teams do. And that's definitely troubling.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, you you could look at baseball too. I mean, look at like the Yankees or the Red Sox, you know, when they're in there, you know, they just, they're picking, they're buying up the best players and they're dumping players you know, just as easily, you know, good players and they're just letting them go. All right, we're done with you, you know, go. I mean, they, they hung on to Jeter for long, but I mean, that's, that's a whole nother story altogether, but I mean, you got to make those hard decisions. And uh, as much as I wouldn't have liked it at the time. And I was really, I was really like, Oh, this is going to, this is going to suck. It's going to make a worse team, but maybe they should, you know, maybe they should have parted with Brent Seabrook. When, uh, you know, when he was going to be a free agent, maybe they should have traded him off.
3: Well, they had the opportunity. They also had the opportunity to part with Brian Bickle after 2013. Yes.
1: And I was a big proponent of that. I was like, see ya later. There's no way they can afford this guy. It was kind of, it was a kind of very similar to like the Andrew Shaw kind of thing. When I said the same thing, I'm like, see ya, you're pricing yourself out of Chicago. See you later. You know, that's the hard decision you had to make. And they made that hard decision, which, you know, I, I don't think that one was as hard a decision to me, you know. Andrew Shaw is Andrew Shaw; he's you know a twenty a twenty eight point guy, but they made the hard decision on that one. They didn't, like you said, on Bickle. They should have let him go, but they, you know, they were they were thinking with their heart and not their brain.
3: I'll, I'll give you another one, Patrick Sharp.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's one guy that they could have parted with, and it would have stunk, and a lot of players, you know, a lot of fans will really like him, I like him, but you know what, sometimes those there's those hard decisions. They didn't make a couple of them, like the Bufflin thing, and the Andrew Ladd thing.
3: That's right, They those were great moves.
1: Yeah, you had to make them, like I completely understood, why well, I didn't like it, but you had to get rid of Bufflin, he had priced himself out of Chicago, I didn't like it because I really liked Andrew Ladd, but he priced himself out of Chicago. Right. So he had to go, and and that was that was when they were making some hard decisions. Now they're not making hard decisions at all. Is it because they're, you know, they they feel they they can't make those decisions on a, on a Jonathan Taves or or a, you know? I don't
3: think they can physically. I really don't think Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane are going anywhere unless they want to go anywhere. Same with Keith. Same with Seabrook. And I know John has been saying, well, you can trade anybody. It just depends if they want to go or not. You know, Duncan Keith's got a kid. You know, Brent Seabrook's got a few kids now. These guys are family guys. They don't want to be moving their whole family around unless it's uh, closer to their, uh, you know, hometowns. But I think it's just uh, you get to a point where these guys don't want to move. And well, I mean, then you, you, you handcuffed yourself to this roster.
1: Well, yeah, they have, they have handcuffed themselves to this roster, and but what are they providing? I mean, really, they're just some of these guys like Seabrook, and I love Seabrook, are just dragging this team down. They're literally dragging this team down with their salaries, and you're know, just being stuck on this roster, and the Blackhawks not being able to move them because of their stupidity of giving them no, you know, no movement clauses. But are you going to drag it, this team into the dirt and make them a terrible team for, for seven more years? Or are you going to waive that no trade clause, go somewhere else where a team may need, you know, that extra little piece and get a chance to win again and let this team move on and give them a chance to move again?
3: It also takes two to tango. You know, someone oh, really yeah. needs to take on that deal oh, yeah. or the Hawks need to, you know, withhold salary. Um,
1: uh, and, I, and I'm using Seabrook as an example, but he, his his deal is unmovable. Unless they get the compliance buyout, and I've been talking about it for two years, when they if they can get a compliance buyout in this next CBA, the Blackhawks have to buy out Brent Seabrook. They have to. There's no, no two ways about it. So, And that's their only choice at this point in time. Otherwise, they're eating his salary. And if you buy him out, you're paying for him for the next decade, which I don't think Rocky Words wants to do that. Pay three million, three and a half million dollars on a cap for the next decade to buy out a bad deal that your GM signed. Like I, I can't see that happening. So, anyway, back to your point. It's many things. It's not just one thing. Yeah. So Mike Murray on uh, Facebook says, "Does Stan Bowman or McDonough get the door?" Um, I'm. I kind of thought about this a little bit. And it really just depends on, you know, what Rocky is, ex- will accept as a plan is, you know, McDonough and Bowman going to sell him this bill of goods. Hey, we still, we could still make the playoffs, you know, that kind of thing. If, if they're staunchly trying to tell Rocky words, you know, we're going for the playoffs, we're going to do everything. We're going to make acquisitions, at the, you know, like all that stuff. This, this team is still going to sink. It's going to sink to the bottom of the river, and uh, they're going to be in the top five probably for picks. This season's not going to go well. But if they're trying to sell their boss this bill of goods, that they're going to be able to make the playoffs, and that goes down the hill, they may Bowman and, and uh, McDonough could be gone at the end of the year, if that's the way it goes. But if they're able to sell Rocky Warts on this, we're going to rebuild... We're rebuilding. Even if we're not telling the fans this, we're going to be doing this rebuild and it's going to hurt for the rest of this season, unfortunately, but we're going to try and grab some assets at the down. And, and like the plan that I talked about earlier, if they could sell Rocky Wirtz on that and he's, he's in with it, they get a little more time. I think, I think they get another year. Possibly they say, Hey, let, let my, let's, let Stan's coach have a full training camp, have the, the draft, have all this stuff we'll go out there and we'll spend some money wisely. Like if they give us good, steady plan to Rocky words, I think they get another year. But if, if they're going to sell that, that stupid bill of goods that they have been, that we can still make the playoffs and we can make this better and we can fix it. And it's all going to be great. Then they're going to fail miserably. And I think Rocky could fire them. You know, what is it? Uh, April 5th or 6th or whatever it is. It's the last
3: day of season. Yeah. Uh, I thought about it a lot too. And Rocky's a businessman, you know, he's a businessman first and then he's a hockey team owner. So I think there's a big difference between not making the playoffs and being dead last in the league. I think it's embarrassing on a lot of different levels for, for him and for McDonough. And I think that's the reason why you're going to see them move on from Stan Bowman at the end of the year. This isn't just uh, Hey, you know, we're an elite team. We belong in the playoffs. This is, from first to last. And uh, the biggest thing for me is it's pretty evident. They're, they're struggling to sell tickets and they're not selling out every game. And I think that's a bigger problem than just the product on the ice. Well, is it people are losing interest?
1: Well, if you, if you ask the team and the media, they're still selling out because the tickets are actually selling. People just aren't showing up to the games. Yeah. Well, Look where what's going to happen
3: next year? Yeah, oh, happen, yeah I know. And more people drop off because they couldn't give their tickets away.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. Essentially, they are not selling out, but technically they are selling out because the the, the tickets are already bought and paid for, and now right. these people who have bought these tickets who are trying to get rid of them on the secondary market and stuff aren't even are barely able to give them away. I turned down tickets. I turned down Skybox tickets. <laughs> Uh, for the Hawks game the other uh, last week, earlier this week, I think, or, or something like that. Because I had I something think, I had to do. But normally I would have canceled what I had to do. Oh no, you know what it was? It was last week when we were recording the podcast. I came and I did the podcast and gave up Skybox tickets at a Blackhawks game. So there you go. There's your dedication.
3: But dedication anyway. to the Ringcast. Yeah. But anyway. But yeah, I, I just think too many people are taking a bath on these tickets. And you're going to see a whole nother level of people dropping off next year. And I really don't know what they're going to do, whether they're going to not raise prices or lower them or or I think they're just going to start, well, continue doing these deals and these experiences like, you know, their Groupon now or something. But yeah, yeah, I I think that them struggling to keep people interested is going to, He's going to really set off McDonough and I think McDonough stays. I think he's done such a good job um, getting the team to this point, but I don't, I don't think Bowman gets another shot. And unfortunately I don't think Colton gets to stick around either. I think they wipe the coaching staff and the GM.
1: If, if that, if that happens, it's not going to change anything. McDonough has got to go too.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know the, he's a symptom of this whole thing.
1: I mean, he Stan, Stan does what, Mc, you know, McDonough does, tells him to do. And that that's evident by some of the, you know, the silly moves like the pickle thing. They didn't want their playoff hero to go. Like, I, I honestly don't think Stan Bowman gave that, that deal out. And I think, I don't think he could be that stupid. I mean, the same with Brent Seabrook. Could you be that stupid to, to give that deal out without McDonough saying, hey, do this?
3: Well, we don't know that. So it, it's an assumption at this point. But yeah, I, I think you have a good point. I think there might might have been more pressure to keep a household name here.
1: Yeah. Because McDonough is a PR guy, and he wants his PR, and he wants to be able to sell the fans, oh, hey, the core, blah, 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 the core. Brent Seabrook, remember? Remember scoring that goal against Detroit? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> right.
1: You know, that's what it is. That's what he sells to people. He sells them snake oil. Anyway, next one, Jackie Davis. Uh, with Crawford having yet another head injury, he won't be a desirable trade option. Yes, that's very true, which he... Pot potentially was a trade, uh, you know, a trade ship, and I, like I said, I thought maybe that uh, Philly might take a flyer on him, you know, for two years until Carter Hart was really ready, and you can usher Carter Hart in. I thought it would be a really good situation, but now with with this injury, even if he was to come back from it, I don't see any team trained for him. Anyway, who would you try to move without giving away the farm? Uh, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit. I mean, I, I think you know anyone should be open season really i don't think anyone should be i mean it, it for the right price anyone should be a, a, a available on this team or in the organization honestly for the right price uh i used to used to think that you know oh well you know tay or kane but even kane like he's, he's definitely still playing at a high level, but how long will he play at that high level? Do you really want to be saddled with this $10 million contract for that long? I don't know. That's a question that they have to ask themselves and be realistic. Are they, you know, are, are they comfortable with him being making $10 million for blah, you know, until he's 38 or whatever it is.
2: And I think another
3: question you have to ask yourself is if you do unload Patrick Kane, what does that do to the people that are interested? You know, there there are people like us that say, "Do it." You know, it'll be better for the future. But then there are a lot of Blackhawks fans who are, you know, just casual fans, and they're not. We they don't think at the the level that we do on on the future and prospects and things like that. They just like going, and that's their favorite player. Um, I think that's definitely gonna hurt the organization even though it might be the best thing for them. So that balancing act, um, again, those hard decisions that we're talking about.
1: Yeah. And and there's some kind of disconnect somewhere where people aren't getting the message. And like I was kind of stating earlier with between Stan and McDonough and Rocky, they have to be on a, you know, they have to have a plan, some kind of plan. Like, what are we doing? Are we going to try and make the playoffs? Because if those three guys think that anything that they're going to do, is even with Corey Crawford in there was going to get them in the playoffs. They're out of their friggin' mind. So what is your plan then? Cause if your plan is we're going to try and make the playoffs, that's a terrible plan. And you're terrible at all of your jobs, make a plan that's realistic and, you know, carry it out. <laughs>
3: so well, we I think just, they're going to have to re I think they're going to have to reevaluate now because their plan last year was we were a playoff team with Corey Crawford healthy. This year, Corey Crawford's healthy, and they were dead last. So obviously that plan didn't work. Uh, So what is it now? And if Corey Crawford's out again, let's say, you know, uh, long-term, where do you go from here? And I think they're trying to figure that out too. Um, You made another drastic change in the the coaching position. You took out a guy who's been there for 10 years. I mean, there's a lot of shock. That the fan base and the team is feeling right now and it doesn't really you know it's it's almost like um, pulling a throttle of a motorcycle and it's just got a bunch of popping coming out and and every once in a while you get a good rev and you beat uh the penguins or nashville and you know yeah we got some some, some uh you know a lot left still in the engine but it's still real clogged up and and the carbs are bad so I, it's just kind of hard I think on their level too to, to pick, but Hey, if it was me, I, I would deal Patrick Kane for three first round picks and a bunch of prospects because, you know, we're looking a few years out and, you know, we've all been trained to think, what's the goal? What are we trying to do here? We're trying to win the Stanley cup. And that's just not really uh, in arm's length right now. Is it? Uh, no,
1: (laughs) there, there is no future right now. There's no hope. There's nothing like just, you know, putting all your chips in on, you know, some college kids or some junior kids. Like, that's that's a big – you're gambling your career on that. you got to have a better plan than that because you can't just bring in four rookies on the defense and fix everything. Like, that's not going to work. That never works. That has never worked in the NHL ever, and it's not going to happen now either. You can't just bring in a bunch of rookies. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to build with – actual real solid NHL players and you have to make the shrewd moves you have to do that stuff if you're not willing to do that then someone else needs to be in there doing it resign do whatever but if you can't make that stuff happen and I was mad about this last summer I'm like I wanted them to make something I wanted him to move up in the draft or I wanted him to take that second first round draft pick and package it with something and get rid of somebody you know make a move do something some kind of chaos that's gonna be like, Oh, well, that makes sense. I mean, even the 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 trades for sod and, and you know, sod going away, that was one thing, but you know, the Panarin sod thing, it was at least it was exciting. They were trying to do something. Now they haven't done anything. The the, the, the latest thing they did was the Strom Schmaltz thing, and we're not gonna know about that for, you know. It's gonna take years for that trade to really probably uh be able to be you know, evaluated properly. So
3: it's, it's so foggy. Uh, and we talk about this team every day. We live and breathe this team. We don't even know what they're going to do at the deadline. Yeah. And for sure. it's and they're horrible. You know, anybody from another team would say, Oh yeah, the Blackhawks are bad. You know, they'll have a few people for sale. They haven't made that clear.
1: No, not at all. So, they, I mean, they got it. You got to make a plan.
3: Just it if these other with a teams plan. are, um, you know, looking to build and get those rentals. I, I think there's a lot of rentals on this team, or maybe more, but it, that has not been made clear. As far as we know, they're still trying to make the playoffs, and they're a better team than they were yesterday. But it's just really hard to that's
2: own really it and small. see what
3: these guys are really doing. And I think that a lot of people are spending a lot of money on this team, and they have high expectations and this is just isn't enough no all right well we're
1: gonna to have to get out of here soon because this is we're running real late um my our boy from the biscuit podcast sweet william bartram uh he said with the recent mascot fight i'm curious to know do you all think uh, who do you all think would win the current mascot battle royal no rule no rules barred, and tlc t- tables ladders and uh, chairs if you're not a wwe fan Um, I, you know, while, uh, Tommy Hawk has moved up my, uh, my ranking, uh, I got to go with Gritty. I'm a Gritty guy.
3: I don't know if he would be great in a TLC match. He's, he's pretty wide hipped. Um, you know, I think TLC, I think of the Hardy boys and the Dudley bros or whatever. Dudley boys, Dudley
1: boys and the Hardy's. Yeah.
3: Those guys flipping upside down and jumping off twenty foot ladders and stuff. <laughs> I think the mascot's got to be a little bit more agile. I think Tommy would be okay. He's he's pretty lean.
1: Yeah. So so is Bailey the lion. Uh, I don't know some of these other ones on this list. I'm not I'm not up on my uh on my mascots really well. Carlton the bear. He's a little wiry. It looks like Wild Wing. He's a little wiry.
3: We've got Bernie, the Bernice Mountain Dog for the Avs, and he's kind of a jag off um, when you go to games. I was wearing a, a Blackhawks hat during a preseason game, and Bernie came over to me. I was sitting in the 100 level and would not stop harassing me, and I was like, dude, I'm an adult. Like, beat it. <laughs> I'm trying to watch the game. Yeah. And he, like, flipped my hat off, and I got semi-pissed. So you I almost got he's, into he's a fight got, like Tommy Hawk? To <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you see that? What's that? Did you see the Tommy Hawk fight?
3: I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, first off, super inappropriate. I'm sure that guy was drunk who tried to fight him. Yeah. Um, well, the
1: the story I'm is add
3: that 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 got out to the media just because you know the Hawks are definitely a family type show. That's kind of what they've been promoting the last few years, and I'm sure they were not happy about that getting out. Oh in, no! Like, social media, no. But, you know, what you know, though, I'm, I think on a level that guy's got to defend himself, yeah, you know, for sure. Being attacked. That's a human being inside there. So, yeah, no, no one should take that. I mean, no. he's being assaulted. Yeah. I understand why he did
0: it.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I actually thought in the moment he did a good, you know, he threw a couple of under, you know, uppercuts. When the guy was on the ground, he threw like a couple of half ass punches. But for the most part, he just locked the guy up and pushed him into the store. He didn't, you know, he slammed him to the ground. He, he got a couple of jabs in there, and then he kind of picked him up and just kind of drove him into the store. So, I mean, he could have really hauled off on this guy, but, um, you know, whatever. We weren't there in the moment and whatever. I, I'm all for him defending himself. So yeah. I didn't see it as inappropriate. And honestly, while the black guys can, you know, can sit back in the back office and they can gripe about it and how much they don't like it, look how much press that got them.
3: You know, the, the wrong kind of press, even though John would say yeah. any press is good. Yeah, press.
1: any press is good press. I mean, you got, you know, everyone cheering on saying, Oh, look at Tommy Hawk. That's awesome. This is great. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? Just ride it. Ride the wave. You know, know. what?
3: That if that's where we're at, that's where we're at. Yeah. The only time we get on Sports Center is when our mascot attacks somebody, yeah. basically, <laughs> or gets that, attacked.
1: That's basically what it is. So, we had one last question that came in. Uh, I want to address this one. It came in uh, the hashtag ask the rink. Uh, Any chance the Hawks will ask Kunitz to wave his no movement clause Uh, so he can go far, far away and never come back? No, that's not going to happen. They're not, I mean, it's just not going to happen. I mean, they're just going to eat that contract for the rest of the year. Maybe he's going to get playing time. Maybe he isn't. He doesn't deserve playing time. I don't think. I think he's just a wasted roster spot. I think it was another stupid move by the front office, but they're stuck with him for the rest of the season. They're just gonna pay us million dollars or whatever it is, and he's gonna expire after the season, just like they did with Patrick Sharp last year, which is another stupid move that really didn't do much of anything. And uh, they're gonna eat it, and that's the way it's gonna be. Because no one's gonna no one would trade for him. I mean, you have to have someone on the other end that wants Chris Kunitz. That's the whole thing. And no one wants Chris Kunitz. So, yeah. Yeah,
3: Kind of piggybacking off that question. Do you think there's anybody on the roster like um, the trade we made with Tommy Wingles that a team would just kind of get extra depth? Um, Like, do you think the Hawks would deal like a Martinson if there was some value for him or kind of like a lower level um, deadline trade? Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Especially a player like Martinson because he's, you know, he's not, he's not a young buck. Like they could get a player like that in the draft. So, if, there's, if they can get an asset for him, yeah, for sure he's, he could go. But, the, you know, another team has to want him. You know, he has
3: to yeah. want that. Uh, at this point, would you be opposed to trading John Hayden? Uh, No. Like I said, for me,
1: everyone's on the table. Calendelia included. Like, everyone's on the table. Like, uh, if you can get something for him of quality that will help your future, like, do it. Uh, But it's got to be shrewd. You have to, you know, have to be, it has to be, you know, if the, if that trade happens for, you know, a good young player or whatever, or Patrick Kane or something like that, you have to demonstrably win that trade. Yeah. By a long shot. Like it has to be heavily in the Blackhawks favor for that to happen. Otherwise, if you're not getting full value for Patrick, even full value for Patrick Kane, like. What are you doing?
3: I'm with you. I, I I still think that Buffalo has the pieces to make. A they could s- substantial offer to the Blackhawks. They could, man, they'd be good with him.
1: Yeah, they could for sure. I, I agree. Um, just like I thought, Philly had the might have the right pieces to be able to to send back for Corey Crawford, but now that's kind of in the wind. But anyway, I think that wraps it up. We're coming on two hours here, so you good? yeah okay cool well anyway you can all find our comprehensive content at www.the-rink.com you can find us on popular social media at the rink official uh on twitter facebook and instagram Uh, at the Rinkcast on twitter you can use the hashtag ask the rink for all of your questions for the next podcast i am at puck and hostel john is at jakel j-a-e-c-k-e-l you sir are late in the goldie on, on the twitter machine and um we did have a quick um review i just want to shout it out really quick it just says the best podcast of the chicago blackhawks gate and jj are the best follow john from hockey buzz uh insight in, on the club draft choices honest analysis uh that was from ct hawks fan so that was a uh, uh, really nice of that um uh, So if you all get a chance, how about giving us a Christmas present? Run over to iTunes, rate and review us. Uh, That helps us jump up the ratings. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think. I don't really have necessarily any big plugs. Um, Well, I'm going to end actually with a plug. Uh, Your outro, the outro song will be a little bit different. It will be a full song. Uh, It is a song called On My Side by Rink Friend and recording artist uh, Patrick judge uh from the D- the band demon hunter this is their new single it's going to be coming out and it's going to be on their new double album which is called uh war and peace i believe one of them's war one of them's peace uh so so uh, i hope you enjoy the song on the outro it's called on my side so uh that's my uh plug aaron you got anything you want to plug
3: yeah i kind of just want to generally thank all the readers and listeners um, I think it's been a really good year for us. Our, our team has grown. Um, we've got a great group of writers and, uh, everything's been looking up for the rink and it's a really exciting time. Um, we got another half of the season of hockey to cover. So definitely tune in. And, um, yeah, I just want to wish everybody, uh, a safe and happy, uh, holiday and new year. Yeah,
1: for sure. I agree. And, and I just want to say how proud I am of all the guys and all the work they've been doing on the rink. Uh, they've been killing it you know Aaron you've been doing on your NCAA stuff we've got now Ray doing the uh the Chicago Steel uh Mario kills it with uh Rockford uh Evan kick kicks ass in, in Indy uh all real passionate people uh and, you know and then we got uh I think what Ron's doing our uh, junior stuff
3: yep he's been gr- doing great yeah
1: everyone's really been just really kicking ass out there i'm really proud of everything that we've put together and the team that we have so um don't sell any of them short uh go out and follow them all read their articles it's all really good stuff you know we've really strived to have a good team that puts out a lot of quality content including podcasts maybe you know future like i said earlier maybe future video casts things like that so we're going to continue to grow and bring you guys that stuff but um For Christmas, share, you know, the rank with your friends, uh, family, whatever. If you enjoy what we do here, share it on your social media and, uh, you know, bring in some new fans. And, you know, maybe we'll get some new questions and some new people on our message boards, you know, uh, corresponding with us or uh, Facebook comments or Instagram comments or any of that stuff. So uh, the more the better. Uh, we want to bring, bring in some smart people or some people that are out there looking for some answers rather than just being fed a line of BS from the, the organization. So uh, that's my little rant at the end. Uh, you got any, you know, anything else no. for you?
3: Yeah, I, I would just say, you know, look forward. I, I think we're going to have some, some new guests in the new, in the new year. So I'm really excited to get some, some new unique voices on here. Maybe uh, get some of the beat writers, uh, maybe get Charlie back on too. So I think we got some, some good stuff coming. So stay tuned. Yeah. Excellent.
1: So that being said, Uh, Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules, your busy holiday schedules, to download this and support us. Until next episode, this is Demon Hunter with On My Side.